This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. South Africa has one of the highest rates of infant abandonment in the world. The national lockdown exacerbated this as being under lockdown posed a lot of hardships for many households, leaving many people without jobs and not knowing where their next income will come from. Speaking on the rise of child abandonment during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are joined by Nadine Grabham, who is the operations director at the Door of Hope. Now, the Door of Hope is a children's home that allows mothers to leave their babies any time of day or night for them to be taken care of. Thank you so much, Nadine, for joining us here on the COVID Report. What has the lockdown been like for the Door of Hope staff members and children? I must say, um, we have coped so far and we have seen a bit of a drop in donations um, mainly because churches and companies and schools have been closed people have not really been um, dropping off or donating that much but we we have seen an increase um, from uh, of assistance from the community Uh, people that are perhaps shopping online for themselves or adding in one or two items for the baby home so we've it's definitely helped to keep head above water. For the staff, it's obviously been quite a bit of a stressful period. Level five and level four, we were able to help with transport and that has become a bit of a struggle for us. Um, So we have managed to supply all our staff with many face masks and hand sanitizer. We keep them up to date with any releases received by the Department of Health. We keep on reminding them um, you know, with the safety protocols that are in place. We haven't had to change too much um, or bring in uh, new procedures on sanitizing and washing hands because as it is, we already care for very little babies. Um, So sanitizing and hygiene is already something that is part of our everyday lives at Dora Folk. For the children, our older children, it's been a bit of a struggle for them um, because we do have a children's village where... Our older kids um, used to go to Mondays to Fridays just to get off the, the home property for a bit because it's like a farm. So they are feeling a bit of cabin fever, but we try and obviously keep them as much entertained as possible. For our babies, I think they just love it. they just happy to have somebody there all the time to hold them and love them and feed them and care for them. So I don't think it's really made much of a, a change in the lives of our little babies. Amazing stuff. Now, Nadine, in light of the increased number of child abandonment cases due to um, the lockdown hardships, under what conditions or circumstances um, have you been finding these children? And is it only infants that are being abandoned? So Door of Hope has a baby box where mommies can safely relinquish their babies. And so we have received uh, some babies through the baby box. But the more traumatic experiences that we've had during lockdown is um, some of the babies that the police have brought us. We've also had some uh, contact from Childline. Um, uh, One example, there was a baby that was found um, on the side of the highway. There was a baby left at a shopping center. Um, Just in the media over the last three weeks, we've seen babies found abandoned pit latrines, in rubbish dumps, in dustbins. And, and that is obviously very, very um, traumatic. And, and sadly also, um, over our years of um, being in existence, most of the time our babies are newborns. Um, but they, I have a network with quite a few homes um, 
just to get their input as well. And it seems that it is also older babies that are being abandoned and, and young toddlers. And so that's obviously very concerning that, um, you know, these, some of these children have been in the care um, of their families and, and due to the circumstances they face, they're just not able to care for these older children anymore. Um, and these are not always unsafely abandoned, but perhaps left by a neighbor um, at a neighbor's place or um, at a church or even at a police station. And I think Childline has also seen a huge increase um, of um, desperate families looking for assistance. Now, the Department of Social Development issued a statement on the 12th of June pleading with NGOs to report all cases of abandoned babies with the designated child protection organizations. So what is the process that Dorb Hopes follows upon receiving a child at one of your homes and or upon being notified of an abandoned baby somewhere else? Basic procedure that happens at Door of Hope, um, there's a few different ways of intakes. Um, I've mentioned our baby box. So when a baby is placed in our baby box, we do network with a child protection organization who would then um, open uh, at children's court and obviously inform the Department of uh, Social Development. When the police bring us a baby, a case is opened um, you know, notify, well, uh, cases opened on, on child abandonment. It also follows the, the same process. We, um, all the cases we take in, we do network with our child protection organization who would then do the um, necessary paperwork to either report it at a, a police station if it is a, a case of abandonment, uh, fill in the necessary documents that are sent to the Department of Social Development, as well as open um, at children's court. Because uh, legally, uh, well, these kids have to be legally placed in our care, which is then um, opened at, at children's court. But this is also processes that we've been um, doing again since uh, Door of Hope started. There has been, um, obviously, uh, initially during lockdown um, level five, where a lot of departments were closed or were focusing on, um, you know, feeding schemes. And um, so at, at some some areas it was a little bit of a struggle um, to, to get some cases reported, but uh, you know it, it was with the help of our child protection agency, these cases have been registered and reported as required. Now, Nadine, off air, you were talking quite in a quite thought-provoking nature on the ways in which. Uh, uh, the young girls um, that that form much of the basis of your of your clientele as far as um, offering their babies to your institution and the ways in which uh, conversations around safe sex need to continue happening as it pertains to this discussion and what your institution does can you can you please unpack for us the ways in which uh, the neglect towards these conversations around safe sex contributes to the continued the continued spread of 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 mothers abandoning their children yes um it it is quite difficult to put statistics out on the um, age of the mother um, that may abandon a child. In some cases, it's actually not the mother that abandons the child, but it could be perhaps the father or a family member. And in some cases, a pimp, because um, obviously a, preg a, a pregnant woman, a prostitute uh, or, or that has given birth, um, that he can't, they can't keep that baby for, uh, you know, she has to continue her work. I mean, that's 
uh, quite negative to look at, but but that is the reality. These things happen. But we have networked or, or had some discussions with some of um, the mommies uh, that come to our door and, and want to be part of the adoption process of their child. And quite often, these girls are quite young. Um, and young, I'm talking anything, you know, from 13 years old to 18 years old. In some cases, um, you know, the pregnancy uh, was because of the girl being raped. Um, that unfortunately, obviously, is not in mommy's control. But there has been some young girls um, that are in high school or just started studying. And, um, you know, they sort of are not aware that you are able to get contraception for free at clinics um, in, in some areas. Um, but it's not just a matter of using contraception to uh, prevent pregnancy. Contraception is very important to prevent sexually transmitted diseases like HIV. I mean, that is, that is a big concern because our, our numbers are so high in South Africa. But there's also been very concerning young girls who have said that um, they were under the impression that you had to have sex more than once to fall pregnant. And in some cases, the, the man that this young girl is having sex with is the one that, that states, we'll just do it once, you won't fall pregnant, we don't need to use contraception. I really think as a community, we need to help these young girls um, and create awareness around actually how easy it is to fall pregnant, how easy it is to get HIV. Um, and, and I think, you know, it, is it a lack of education within the schools? Is it ignorant in the com ignorance in the communities um, and at, that young girls are actually not taught um, in their homes? Uh, a lot of these homes are actually um, headed, uh, child-headed households. So where is the mother figure and the father figure? So society, I think, is, is um, definitely a big influence on, on um, these mommies not knowing, um, you know, what, what can happen and then they fall pregnant the father of the baby wants nothing to do with the baby and that mom is left all by herself and that can definitely add to um one of well, one of the reasons of um babies being abandoned and the abandonment in of itself can be very traumatic and looking at your staff it can be very traumatic to save an abandoned baby being found on the streets how does door of hope assist its staff members in caring for their emotional well-being I must say that um, Door of Hope has an absolutely amazing team. A lot of our care workers have been with us for many years already. Uh, they do have access to free counselling if they choose to, uh, to use that. But I think as a team working together and the love that they have in these hearts, it is very traumatic um, how some of the babies come to us. But I think all our staff, we actually call them aunties, our care workers, they are the aunties of these babies. And they are just so relieved that a baby has been found alive. And they are the ones who are willing and able and want to care for these babies, want to give these babies love. And I think the emotional trauma that they may face is maybe the fact that this baby was left somewhere to, to die, left somewhere unsafe. 
and also sharing the, the emotional trauma of what that mommy must have gone through to, to leave her baby somewhere unsafe or even leave the baby somewhere safe. But as a team, they support each other. We support each other. We um, have daily devotions um, where they share their concerns with each other and they pray for each other. And it's, it's just such a strong team that I think the support they give each other and they, we give um, from a leadership point of view to the staff, it's more like a family. It, it, it's, not, it's not a job. And I think that makes the difference um, where these um, uh, aunties can um, you know, emotionally lean on each other's shoulders and also emotionally reach out to the leadership of, of Door of Hope. And um, I think that that's very important because as if the auntie's um, emotional well-being is in a good place, that then goes down into the babies. So the babies are happy. When the auntie is happy, the baby's happy. And I think that is very important. Very important indeed. It's very heartwarming to listen to you uh, talk about the wonderful work that Door of Hope does. And you touched on something very beautiful in that uh, making sure that one's mental health is at a level that does not impact the, the child in any way. And I commend you guys for the the resolute nature with which it appears you are all able to keep a level head emotionally um, in order to not allow the the mental impact of this unprecedented time of a global pandemic to impact the work that you do with those lovely children that you take care of at Door of Hope. But it's equally it's it's equally stressful to imagine the stressful nature of the work that you guys do at Door of Hope underneath these conditions of a global pandemic, underneath these conditions that have since been further elaborated upon, where no business can be conducted by anybody um, going to any sort of domain accessible to members of the public without wearing a mask for instance. So as far as the work that Door of Hope does with children, are they being screened or tested for COVID-19 upon being accepted at Door of Hope? And how is Door of Hope keeping staff and babies safe during the course of this pandemic? Yes, so when we um, get babies that are brought to us by the police, before the police even bring the babies to us, they have to take the baby to a government hospital for a checkup. So they already um, are screened there. And I think, um, especially for newborn babies, uh, I really don't know if COVID-19 tests are being done um, on these abandoned babies. But what we do at Door of Hope, we have a pediatrician that um, comes to us every second Monday. And she's on call via um, WhatsApp 24-7. So when a baby comes to us, we would well, isolate that baby in our isolation room and monitor that baby. We have uh, certain checks that we follow. We check uh, the temperature of that baby. And this, again, is something normal at Door of Hope when a, when a baby has been abandoned and come to us. That baby is isolated for a couple of days to make sure that there are no um infectious diseases i know that sounds horrible but um you know anything that that could actually be carried over to any of the other babies that that is already in the home so that pedi our pediatrician will then as soon as possible um come and check our baby um 
either the same day or within that week that the baby has come to us. We very, very close to Joburg Gen Hospital. So if we ever have any concerns, um, we, we will go to casualties straight away. Um, but our pediatrician is very helpful. She's very knowledgeable. And we have um, a checklist that, that is checked every single day. Uh, temperatures, especially for newborn babies, are taken quite a few times a day and are recorded. We obviously monitor the eating and um, how well are they drinking their their formula. So as long as we follow all these processes and, and do whatever we can um, to keep these babies safe, uh, you know, it, it, it is part of our, our daily job. With regards to, to keeping the, the staff safe, um, it, it's, it's again, it's a matter of education. It's a matter of wearing face masks all the time. It's a matter of washing hands, sanitizing as often as possible. Um, but this is nothing new to us except for the mask wearing um, because that has been quite a bit of a challenge because babies enjoy um, watching facial expressions of the aunties. They enjoy seeing a smile and that is how babies start smiling. But wearing masks is a bit of a challenge um, because it covers that important um, smile and, and can actually delay social and emotional development of the babies. But we have been... Um, uh, receiving uh, the screen visors and, and we've also recently got some masks that are that have the see-through bits over the mouth so, so that has helped a little bit as well um, and yes COVID-19 obviously we're, we're very concerned about that but we received a baby uh, a couple of months ago that actually passed away last week and it wasn't because of COVID-19 it was because this baby was abandoned in an unsafe place in the middle of the night in the winter and this baby's lungs were damaged. And um, unfortunately, we had to use this baby to ICU because within a matter of hours, he was struggling to breathe. And uh, you could just see by his struggles that uh, he had a chest infection. And, and that to us, even though COVID-19 is stressful, every little baby that we get into our care, especially premature babies, um, it is stressful because they can get so sick so easily. And um, so our staff are very much on the ball. Um, and we obviously work 24-7 and they've got 24-7 care, these babies. So, um, but, but that I think that adds maybe a little bit to the emotional stress of um, getting a sick baby. And COVID-19 obviously now has added to that stress because you have to be so aware of... Um, symptoms and uh, temperatures and but we, we we try our best and I think we, we're doing a good job definitely doing a commendable job especially considering that your home also adds an adoption facility. children the young babies can be adopted and how has COVID-19 changed the adoption process has it become more challenging the adoption um, in, as a whole has, has definitely become more challenging during um, lockdown because uh, during lockdown level uh, five and level four, all adoptions uh, were put on hold. Reunification of babies were put on hold. You know, babies that were ready to go back to uh, biological family, that was put, in, put on hold. Um, and even though we love these babies so much, we would rather have them be with their families than be stuck in in a home. But the other challenge that has come um, into play is that places of safety or children's homes only have a certain amount of space. 
As an example, um, the Department of Health and the Department of Social Development will come to your facilities when you um, want to open a place of say to you, according to your facilities, you allowed to have 18 children in your home. Now, if you can only have 18 children and five of these children, as an example, are ready to go for adoption, but lockdown has stopped adoption, then these five children are taking up spaces for babies who need spaces, especially during lockdown. So that has been very challenging for us and, and not just for Dora Folk. I've uh, we, I network with quite a lot of children's homes and they're all facing these struggles. They have got maybe six or seven children that were due to go for adoption before lockdown started. That was uh, put, it on hold, put on hold. So these adoptions have not taken place, but they're still getting contacts from child protection organizations um, and, and maybe even police and uh, uh, organizations that... Um, are looking for placement for children that have either been orphaned by COVID-19 or have been abandoned during lockdown. So that has been very, very challenging. And I do know that uh, certain departments of uh, certain areas in uh, the Department of Social Development has uh, started, um, you know, working um, during, uh, I started level three. But I, I just don't know how big the backlog is for the paperwork to get done for these adoptions to take place. And so hoping that, that um, this will, will start happening so we can see these adoption, the, the movement of children, um, you know, being able to go to their families, whether it's adoptive families or biological families, um, because I, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, August, September is around the corner. That's most probably one of our busiest times every year, because these are unwanted pregnancies that um, conception happened over Christmas and New Year. And um, so we're hoping by the time uh, August, September is here, that at least some adoptions could have taken place to make space for the babies who may need it in the next couple of months. Now, Nadine, as far as the adoption process at Door of Hope, are there any instances where fathers and mothers return to, do to Door of Hope demanding their children back? And how do you deal with such cases? And what is the protocol when it comes to placing a child in a home? So um, we have had um, parents coming back, um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned mothers and or fathers. Um, when a mom has placed her baby in our baby box, she's already loving that baby because she's um, placed him somewhere safe. And that mommy may change her mind in um, either sometimes that same day or over the next few days, she'll come back to us and we get our social work involved. Uh, we do some option counseling with a mom. Um, but sometimes these moms have hidden their pregnancy from their families. And after the baby is born, maybe she has found relief uh, that the baby is somewhere safe. And then she actually then has the courage to share with her family that she was pregnant and she's given birth. So often the gogo comes, she wants the baby, the auntie comes, she wants the baby. They're happy to take care of their own. Um, there has been some instances where a father has come and said he didn't even know that the, there was a baby in the picture and somehow found out that uh, he was the father of the baby and he would then come to Door of Hope um, after getting information maybe from the mother that she brought the baby to Door of Hope. 
And again, where possible, we get the social workers involved. And if that um, daddy is willing and able to care for the baby, then we will re reunite that baby with, with his father. Sadly, there has been instances where a granny, for instance, has found out five years later that she has got a grandchild that her daughter um, and, uh, has dropped up off at Door of Hope. After five years, 90% of the time, that baby is most probably being adopted. And, and that is heartbreaking. Um, we, we always feel for the family member that has found out about a child and then comes back and that child has already been adopted. So that is why when we do meet with mommies, we give them option counseling. If your final decision is adoption, please let your family know. But if your final decision is not adoption, then consider foster care because there are organizations um, and foster families in South Africa that would look after that baby until the mommy is on her feet to, and strong enough and capable to take that baby back to, to uh, you know, care for that child um, and, and actually be a family. The Door of Hope does such phenomenal work. So how can the community help in saving abandoned babies? And how can we as a society make it okay for more mothers to not abandon their babies on the streets, but rather take them to a safe haven where they will be well cared for? Yes, I think the ways that the community can help is um, creating awareness around baby boxes in South Africa and places of, sa of safety. Um, not all mummies have access to social media. Not all mummies have access to online news or access to Google on the internet where there is a place of safety. Um, and I think people need to be a little bit more approachable. We, we have um, spoken to some mummies where they did reach out, out uh, for help in, within their communities and sometimes even within their families. And they are basically brushed off. They are told, this is your problem, you sort it out. So we need to be show more empathy with these mommies. And at the end of the day, what we need to think about and remind ourselves is a life. There is a life involved that could um, possibly be lost if we do not help these, this mommy. There are 33 baby boxes all over South Africa. There are many registered child and youth care centers and many places of safety. Um, and it's basically, if a mommy can um, go to her friend or to a family member or to the church, even police stations, some police stations have child protection organizations within the police station. If we can create awareness and guide this mommy to be in touch with the right people, somewhere, you know, it's, there's that saying, pay it forward. If somebody helps somebody that helps somebody eventually gets to that mommy, um, she will already feel less stressed because her community is supporting her, her family is supporting her, and she might not make the desperate decision of leaving a baby somewhere to die, but instead go to a place of safety and safely hand over her baby so that that baby can have a chance in life. And the way that you guys are doing now is by radio interviews, um, you know, especially uh, radio stations that, that are not maybe as popular 
um, you know, in, in the South African community, but I, I know a lot of townships have their own little radio station within the township. It's a matter of getting airtime on those radio stations where we know there's a very good chance it might uh, reach a mom in crisis. And, um, and it's, yes, it's creating awareness. It, it, that's very, very important. And I think as a society, we can definitely do more on creating awareness around places of safety. Now, during this pandemic, Nadine, many organizations have received some sort of support and government has made an effort to ensure that companies do and organizations have support. Have this time, during this time, have you, as the Door of Hope, received any financial assistance from the government? Uh, Door of Hope is registered with the Department of Social Development and we have... Uh, a service level agreement with the Department of Social Development. We send in our stats to them every month. We do um, half yearly reports. We do annual reports um, and keeping obviously making sure that, that everything is uh, submitted when needed. And we have been for the last 10 years and um, have been getting um, some funding from the Department of Social Development, which is, which is obviously a very, very big help. And then the balance, the shortfall, um, we rely on donations. We rely on donations from corporates. We rely on donations from um, schools and churches or anybody that, that is um, keen on, on pledging their birthdays. Um, so instead of getting a birthday present for yourself from all your friends, you tell your friends, well, don't give me a birthday present. Rather buy a bag of nappies and, and take it to Door of Hope. So um, this is our 21st birthday now of July. And... Um, We've been very blessed. Um, we, we are a Christian organization and we know that God really has sent the right people at the right time. And, um, and I think that the work that we do, that people notice, I think it's important. And, and especially, you know, we, uh, a lot of people that come to us are actually mommies, new mommies um, that have realized now they've got their own little baby and realize that they're actually babies that don't have mommies. And, and, and people just start their own fundraising campaigns or, or collections and, and bless Door of Hope with that. So we, we've, been, we've been really, really blessed. I, um, and, and I'm really hoping that we can actually continue for another 21 years and save more babies. And to that end, Nadine, what initiatives are being run by Door of Hope and how can the public be a part of those initiatives so as to assist Door of Hope in caring for more children? Yes, I think our, our, our main um, point of uh, you know, creating an awareness around our needs is definitely social media. We um, have uh, 40,000 followers on Facebook. We've got close to 20,000 uh, followers on Twitter. And we and our followers are really, really awesome and gracious and, and really caring. Um, as an example, if you had to go to our social media pages, um, if we starting to run out of nappies, we would do a shout out on social media and say, guys, we maybe only have nappies left for, for one week and, um, you know, we need nappies. And uh, so <laughs> the response on that is ab absolutely phenomenal. Um, so our basic projects are we always put on social media and um, we've also got a fundraising page on givengain.com where anybody can actually go start their fundraiser on Given Gain. 
um.com under Dora Hope's uh, profile. And we just had a, a, a guy on Saturday that ran 60 kilometers to raise money for Door of Hope. And he, he raised um, just uh, from his own followers, raised close, uh, I think it was about 70,000 rand he's raised. So Given Gain is an awesome fundraising portal and you can really make it very exciting um, if you want to create your own campaign. Um, so it's basically you watch the space. Uh, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, go to our website, uh, because ever, whenever we need help, um, we, we always do a shout out on social media and we find that it has been working very well for us um, over the last few years, especially during lockdown as well. As one of your proud Twitter followers who engages all the time, how can other people get involved? Or how can, how, how can people find you? Where can people find you? What are your Twitter handles? Where are your branches? Do you have more than one branch? Yeah, so we've got our um, baby house in Berea, which is uh, right next to um, uh, Hillbrow, just off Joe Slova Road. This is also where our baby, two baby boxes are. And then we've got um, two homes in Glen Vista. And we're also busy building a children's village um, for kids that are unadoptable. So people, um, our, our website is dorafolk.co.za. Our Facebook is dorafolk.sa. Our Twitter handle is dorafolk.jhb. And I think Instagram is also dorafolk.sa. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, thank you so much for following us and, uh, you know, uh, sharing our tweets and uh, that's really appreciated. But uh, I think, um, you know, people are also, we have got a, a basic uh, email address for any inquiries, which is info at dorafolk.co.za. And of course, all our information is on our website. That was Nadine Grabham here on the COVID Report. Operations Director at Door of Hope, which is a children's home that allows mothers to leave their babies any time of the day or night in order for them to be taken care of. Talking to us about the way in which the lockdown has made what already was a difficult situation even more difficult as it pertains to the continued rising of child abandonment in the country. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or stream by www.vafm.co.za.